Hey, hey, friend, welcome to episode 132, and (laughs) this is going to be a good one. I am so excited to introduce you, if you have not heard of him yet, or if you have heard of him, to have you listen in on this conversation with Connor Boyack. And I'm going to share with you pretty soon in this episode, my kids' reaction when I told them I was going to get to have a conversation with Connor, because Connor's been around our house. He doesn't know he has been, (laughs) but he's been, we'll say, in the speakers and in the earbuds and in our reading in our home for a couple of years. So they thought it was super cool, but I'm excited to share with you. He and I are just, we're just going to, we're just going to throw it all out there. You're going to hear some major encouragement and some major facts. And I know that this episode right here is really going to maybe shake some things up in a good way for you in your homeschool. Are you ready for that? I hope so. If not, we're going to do it anyway. Welcome to the Little by Little Homeschool Podcast, where you can get out of survival mode, feel confident in your homeschool decisions, and gain peace in your heart and home. I know that when we plant our feet firmly in this season of life and embrace our homeschooling, motherhood, and homemaking, we will thrive. I truly believe that we can do this from a place of peace and joy, all while growing a ton of contentment. And while we're at it, Mama, let's deepen those relationships with our children and love these years we get to pour into them. If you're ready to create beauty, seek simplicity, and live intentionally, Homeschool Mama, then close out that lesson book, let the kids go play, and let's have an authentic conversation. Hi, Connor. I am really excited to talk to you today. And my kids actually have to tell you that they were pretty jealous <laughs> that I was going to get to talk to Connor Boyack. So the two of them aren't <laughs> living at home right now. So they're not here. My 15 year old is being a little too shy to <laughs> pop in and say hi, but they were all super excited about this. So welcome to the podcast. And if you can start us off and just kind of share a little bit about you and your company, Tuttle Twins, and just whatever you want to share in regards to that. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. My name is Connor, and uh, I am what I like to call a full-time freedom fighter. I, by day, run what's called a think tank. It's a nonprofit that tries to change laws, and so we do a lot of engagement with elected officials. We've changed over 100 laws. A dozen of them were the first of their kind in the whole country. So we do innovative, fun, unique stuff, and I have a blast trying to solve problems for people and remove, you know, regulations and laws that stand in the way of their business or their family. So that's kind of my day job. I started the group over a decade ago. And along the way, I started writing a lot of books, especially children's books. The Tuttle Twins are designed to teach kids these principles of a free society. So free market economics and private property rights and personal freedom and all the rest. And so the books took off. Uh, We sold, I think, almost 5 million copies now. We're in a dozen languages. We have a cartoon. We have, we're just growing all this stuff. There's such an appetite, especially in the homeschool community, for uh, material like this because it's not really being talked about, uh, certainly not in the schools, but social media and from peers. Kids aren't really otherwise learning these values and ideas. And a lot of parents struggle to know how they can teach these ideas. A lot of, especially the moms, feel like they don't fully understand them enough to then go teach them to someone else. So our book's present just a super easy, fun way for mom and kids or dad to sit down, read a fun story, and then talk about it. And as a result, you're learning these very powerful ideas that kids can 
start to think about and apply in their lives in the years ahead. Yeah, the books were. So my kids are all older. We still read them as they were older. And I appreciated that in the back, there was references to the books that they were teaching from. And we were able, so my kids are older and I was able then to borrow those from the library or purchase those books and, and then dive into it a little bit deeper. So question for you here though, is the number of homeschoolers is rising in the U.S. Why do you think that is? <laughs> so it's <laughs> tripled across the country with, <laughs> which I think is exciting. Um, I think this was a big silver lining of COVID. A lot of, first of all, everyone became a homeschooler for a couple of weeks when basically all the schools shut down. And a lot of parents realized, hey, my kid actually was no longer, you know, feeling anxious or they weren't being bullied or they loved reading these books that otherwise they don't have met the mental energy to do because they got all the homework. And I think that gave a lot of families a little taste of what it could be like. So I think that was a big influx. And then of course, in the months ahead, we had all the school board fights and zoom school and uh, a lot more parents were realizing all the crazy that's happening in the schools. And they're like, well, wait a minute. I don't, I don't want that for my kids. That's much different than when I was young and going to school. And so I think the combination of those factors, especially also the fact that it's never been easier to homeschool, there's so many opportunities out there, co-ops and online courses and everything in between. And so I think it's a host of these factors all interplaying. And, and frankly, I think it's just going to continue to grow. Um, I follow, among other things, on social media libs of TikTok, where they're always posting just the crazy garbage happening in schools across the country. And I think the more those stories are getting out, the more we're going to see families being like, okay, fine. That's the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm yanking my kids. We're going to, we're going to do it on our own. I want to be there to support those families because that's a very daunting step to take. Um, and so I think a lot of those families need all the support they can get in that, in that uh, adventurous decision. Yeah, I'm seeing that too, a lot pulling out, but then I'm also seeing the flip side is a lot of parents who have younger children that are under the compulsory age of schooling, and they're starting to see what's going on as well and saying, I don't even want to step my foot into that. Like, I don't want to put my kids into that. And so they're thinking about it already. So exciting times right now. Yeah. I think exciting times ahead for homeschooling. If you could encourage homeschool families to include three topics or subjects in their studies, what would those be and why? I think what a lot of homeschooling families do really well are the core subjects. You know, you find whatever math you want, whether that's Saxon or whatever, you know, you find your English language arts, you find your science, whether it's, you know, a curriculum or you cobble together your own thing. So the core subjects, I feel like a lot of families do just fine. I would say it's all the extra stuff that a lot of families tend to neglect. So I'm thinking in particular about a dry subject like economics, which is often taught very poorly. But economics is really just how the world works. It's how people, why people make the decisions they do. Uh, it's, you know, buying and selling. It's small business. It's how money works. These are like fundamental lessons to just learn how the world operates. And they can be presented in simple form. So we have a whole economics curriculum uh, that we provide through Teletrans. So I think economics is one. Um, I think uh, what, what's called more at the college level, political science is another one, but basically just political principles, the American history, understanding classical liberalism and why the founding fathers had the political views that they did as they studied from the Greco-Roman empires and so forth. Um, so I think talking about government and civics and politics, current events, I think is is super, super helpful. So that's obviously another 
thing that we do with with Tuttle Twins. Uh, a, a final thing I'll mention, maybe a third, is uh, entrepreneurship. So I, I feel like the schools really don't train entrepreneurs. They don't. Uh, they they train kids to be factory workers and rule followers. Not you know, frankly, it's the entrepreneurs, the successful ones in our world, who dropped out of school at various points along the way because the institutions are not built for them. And so I feel like, especially homeschooling, it's a phenomenal way to like have your whole family do a small little business. And in past years, our family has done like homemade pizzas uh, for the neighborhood, or we were going to start doing like pet supplies. My kids did uh, planting the flags for the local football team during home games and just figuring out like, okay, we have income. What expenses do we have? How should we reinvest the money? How do we advertise? How do we negotiate with people? And um, so we participate in various, uh, markets in our community that allow our kids to be able to go experience that. And I think those lessons are some, especially when the profit motive is at play. In other words, the, the ability to make money, that's a great teaching opportunity to get kids excited about it. Uh, so that's something where I see a lot of homeschooling families realizing that, Hey, my kids cannot just read in books and do worksheets. We can actually create value for other families Let's do a fun little, you know, business together as a family. And it could be small, it could be super small. Although I know some families who like started a food truck, right? And the whole family works in the food truck or they bake home goods and then they just sell that to the neighborhood and online. It doesn't have to be crazy. Uh, but it's such a great way to come together as a family, have project-based learning so that you're getting real-world skills, making some money. It's fun. It's exciting. So I would say that would be a big third one is, is entrepreneurship. And I think those those three subjects and topics, I think a lot of families hold off to like the high school years. And I love that you guys right. are encouraging to do it sooner as opposed to just trying to figure out in the high school years. And that was kind of me because I was just a traditional homeschooler, didn't know. And everything that's happened really, you know, opened my eyes. And I also have one kiddo who was just, he's just wired to be an entrepreneur. And I was learning from him and we were learning together and it's just, yeah, I think that a lot of people, and so I think that Tuttle Twins is a good, and, you know, things you guys offer is a good way for parents to feel like they can teach those subjects at a younger grade. One thing that I've noticed doing the Tuttle Twins for years is, uh, I've noticed this about myself, I think we underestimate how much kids can and want to learn so-called adult uh, level topics because every kid wants to be like a big kid and every big kid wants to be like an adult and I remember Thanksgiving dinner when I got put at the little you know table with all the younger kids and it was such a burn you know like I wanted to be at the adults table with the cool kids and and so I feel like oftentimes our books our curricula our, our conversations is trying to go down too far to meet kids at their level rather than pulling them up uh, to our level. So what we're trying to do at the Tuttle Twins is say, here are these so-called adult, big kid, real world ideas. Yeah, we can present them in a simple form, a fun way that are going to be attractive to kids, but they're learning things like spontaneous order. I mean, I, I, I had this story a few months ago, this dad emailed me, he's walking through the grocery store with his nine-year-old daughter. They're walking down the chip aisle and his daughter's no longer next to him. He turns back and she's back at the, you know, potato chips. And he walks back and he's like, honey, what's going on? She's staring at the chips. She's like, dad, I get it. I get why there's spontaneous order, which is a, a term that means there's no one in charge of potato chips of, you know, we need to have this many ruffles and this much sour cream and honey. There's, there's no one overseeing this. It's spontaneous order of the market where 
millions of people making independent decisions produces abundance and options and customized unique things where now there's 54 flavors of Oreos or something like that. I mean, it's just, that's fun. So this little girl, nine-year-old girl had read a story. She had this aha moment in the grocery store. The dad writes me, he's like, I didn't learn that until I was in my thirties or forties. And, and so he was so excited to see that he and his daughter could have this point of reference that they could then build upon and talk more about. And that she, even though she's nine years old, was interested and aware and able to kind of have that more adult-like conversation that the dad was just loving. It. And that's a story that we see playing out again and again with the Tuttle Twins. That's that's a really cool story. And I, I just have found with these types of topics, they're the ones that I can relate to my kids better. And we have conversations and I don't always have to have all the answers. And I think that it's good for them to see like, oh, mom doesn't have all the answers. Well, guess what? I have this thing called Google and I can look it up and I can find resources and we can get the answers. And instead of feeling like they have to have it all figured out and that they can understand these to their level and then continue to grow and learn. I mean, economics isn't something you just go and do, you know, one school year. It's something you just continue to build build upon. And so I am also personally seeing a rise in the interest among homeschoolers to skip college. And that's definitely a nod to your book <laughs> and pursue, pursue either entrepreneurship, trade school, or just other avenues to gain the skills they need. Now, this I am noticing among the parents, this is causing a lot of anxiety and worry for them because they still feel trapped in that belief. I have, my kids have to go to college and get a degree so they can get a good job. And that's their only way to their success. So what advice could you give to these parents of what you see for the future? And this is all, you know, coming from a fellow homeschool dad and an entrepreneur and you're engaged with a lot of young people. So how can you encourage them to to kind of think outside? Well, first I want to, I want to acknowledge that the worry I think is valid. Uh, Parents want their kids to be successful. They want to position them for, you know, success in life so that they can thrive. So I want to acknowledge that comes from a good place. However, the reaction is not born of faith, but of fear. They're worried that if my kids don't get a a college degree, they're going to miss out. My kids are going to make less. They won't have enough opportunity. That's a fear-based approach. I think we need to change it to a faith-based approach and say, okay, how can we, you know, positively build a successful life down alternative paths? Because I think that, so I, I worked on the Skip College book that you mentioned after years of speaking at homeschool conferences across the country. And I would see these parents rail against the so-called conveyor belt of K to 12 schools. Oh, we homeschool. We're not on the conveyor belt. But then they would say, oh, I'm going to put my kids right back on the conveyor belt for college. And there was this incongruence between the two that got me thinking. And uh, the reason why I started homeschooling was John Taylor Gatto. He wrote uh, many books, but the chief one that influenced me was his book, Dumbing Us Down, uh, The Hidden uh, Curriculum of Compulsory Education. For those who don't know, John was a 30-year public school teacher working within the system to try and reform it. Got so frustrated, he finally quit, said, I'm hurting children more than I'm helping them, so I'm getting out of there and doing my own thing. Writes this expose of the system, why it's so destructive to kids. Um, and so that's the reason why before we had kids, I read that, I shared it with my wife. I'm like, we got to own the school and, and she signed on. So I went to John years later after I spoke at these conferences, I'd written a bunch of these books and I said, Hey, I've got this idea for a book to, um, to talk about skipping college and applying the same criticisms we have of the K to 12 model to college to kind of snap these parents out of thinking that you need college, um, and, and so he contributed a chapter to that book. Uh, and so I had a bunch of different contributors. That was the last thing he ever wrote before he 
passed away. So that was a deep honor uh, for me since he was so influential for me. It, it really boils down to the fact that we are in a changing world. College campuses are heavily turning into propaganda centers. They are extremely costly and it is never easier. It's never been easier to launch into a career. I'd say 98% of careers without a degree. I employ 86 people right now. I think I couldn't care less if they have college degrees and I'm, I'm not alone. Increasingly massive major companies are dropping their college degree requirement. Decades ago, college was a way to signal that you could rise above the rest because not many people went to college. You had to be like this amazing awesome. But then the government got involved and they said, no, we want everyone to go to college and we're going to subsidize it. We're going to make it cheap and easy. Suddenly everyone has a college degree. So it's no longer a signal of competence. It just means that you've done what everyone else has done. Imagine the kid, the young adult who's applying for a job and they have a portfolio of demonstrated work of clients that they did kind of with a side hustle or freelance while they were in, you know, college or homeschool or whatever. And they go to a potential employer and say, here's what I've done. I can do the same for you. And then that same employer has a stack of 33 resumes on his desk that all look the same. And they all say that they have a college degree, right? It, it's it's so, so easy to set yourself apart from the masses and it's never been easier to do. And employers are cre- increasingly open to it. So the point of that book was to say, these same criticisms we have of K to 12, let's apply them over here to college and then let's explore together how we can actually help our kids thrive in their lives despite not having a, you know, save four years of their life, save all the money, save the brainwashing and go launch right into the, the career or life that you want to build. Never been easier. And, and it's uh, that, that book's been fun to watch take off because I think it was well positioned at the right time with all the crazy stuff that's happening. I, I think the message is getting out that uh, we need to rethink college for our kids. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a great encouragement and some of the stuff that I will say to them, too. So hopefully hearing from you as well, like Connor said it. So (laughs) you all could just, you know, relax a little bit. And I was one of those parents that felt like that was really concerned. Like, well, if you don't go because I went to college and Mm -hmm. what if and, um, you know, my husband uh, didn't complete his degree and he had a hard time. But this was back, you know, however many years ago. But now, he, you know, now he doesn't. He has skills and. But I think, yeah, it's, and you're right. It comes out of a place of of concern for our for our kids. But I think as they kind of step out of the box, we need to kind of step out of the box too and and uh, trust them. And one thing we've done with our kids is we have required all of them to take a gap year after they're done with their high school, whether they get their high school done. One of my kiddos got done in three years because he was just like, I'm done. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Um, and take that gap year. And there, I have one kid that's, you know, halfway across the world right now on a gap semester. And you know, just giving them a chance to see the world and to experience things. And then let's make some decisions. Cause I, I remember being 18. I don't, I'm not doing what I thought I would do at 18. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I think that's super smart. Frankly, I think everyone needs a gap year. I, I think, uh, you know, despite my book being provocatively titled skip college, ultimately the thesis is look, college is not inherently evil or wrong. If you are going to go, sometimes you have to for certain professions, right? Uh, but even if you don't need to for your profession, but you find a lot of value in it, that's fine. Just be intentional about your decision because then there's ways to accelerate through your associate's degree. There's cheaper ways to do it. You can leverage your time. Um, you can have eyes wide open. And I think that's the benefit of things like a gap year is to say, let's not just ride the conveyor belt and follow the guidance counselor's advice to just go right into college and figure out later what you want to do in life. No, let's hit the pause button. 
let's let's learn more about yourself let's go experience things just as you say with your child and and uh, and then you can make far smarter decisions about what you want to do that's going to save you time and money and, and that's ultimately what it's about whether you go to college or not let's just make smarter decisions and not just do what society tells us or expects us to do Yes. I love that. Love that. Yes. That's def- okay. I second that as well. <laughs> so speaking of books that you've written, one of your most recent books is U.S. history book. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about why it's different and why you wrote it like that? Yeah. So a lot of our Teletons books uh, have just been about various principles and ideas. They're shorter, they're fun little story, but I was starting to feel like we needed to delve into history and here's why. Uh, finally, I, I did a little project with my team. We bought about a dozen social studies books that are used in the schools. And, you know, they mostly all use the same book across uh, books across the country. There's like eight to 10 that 80% of schools all use. So we bought those. We did some analysis. We're reading through all these books because my thesis was that these books don't teach, you know, the revolution, the constitution and the declaration and all these things as well as they should. So I wanted to dig in and learn more. I came away blown away. Uh, To summarize very briefly, all of these books did a fantastic job at teaching what I call superficial history. This person wrote a letter on this, you know, date to this person. They fought on this battlefield. They went here. They wore these kinds of uniforms. They used muskets like this and blah, 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 blah. All the random factoids that might win you a Jeopardy contest, you know, in the future. But all of these books miserably failed when it came to teaching the ideas, the philosophies, the values that were at issue in, in the founding era. The, the books would give lip service to, they were upset about no taxation without representation. And while, yes, that's true, that's like the tip of the iceberg. So running through my mind as we were doing all this was the quote I'm sure you've heard of, everyone's heard of it that those who don't learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. And as I reflected on that, I realized that while we all know that quote, we do a completely horrible job at heeding its advice. Why? Because if evidenced by these mainstream books that are all being used to educate the entire rising generation, those books are not teaching kids to learn from the past. They're teaching kids to simply learn about the past. So there's a disconnect, right? I feel like history education, the whole point is to help us be better people, help us learn from the mistakes and the good decisions of the past so that we can become better and stand on their shoulders and progress as a society. I think that's the whole point. Like, sure, it's fine to like no random factoids about the past, but I think it's most useful to say, how can it help me in my life be even better and do even better? And these these history books all failed. So we said, all right, let's do a Tuttle Twins book. Let's, yes, teach about the stuff that happened, but let's talk about the ideas. Let's talk about the philosophies and let's help readers, our young readers, connect them to today. So we read, you know, something. Here's what they were debating, you know, during the Constitutional Convention or whatever, right? And then it's like, okay, let's, now that we learned those ideas, how do they relate to what Congress is talking about today or this particular issue, or what do we think about this now that we learn what happened 250 years ago? We want to help kids start to learn from the past so as to apply those same ideas today. So it's like a 240-page book, fully illustrated. We've got curriculum and everything else. We're actually working on volume two right now to hopefully have out later this year. And, uh, And the whole goal is to not just teach what happened but why it happened and what the ideas were that were being debated that, that are so relevant 
to our debate today if only we heed them and think about them and apply them, but most history books aren't. If I'm wearing my tinfoil conspiracy theory hat, I feel like that's intentional. I feel like there's a lot of people in power who don't want us to be informed, who don't want us to understand our rights, who don't want us to understand those ideas or the mistakes of the past because they want to be able to repeat those mistakes today. Um, and so I think this is intentional in a way, which is all the more reason why homeschoolers are best positioned to say, yeah, we're not going to do what, you know, the thought controllers want us to do. We're going to go learn, learn true history. We're going to go learn what these principles were so that my kids can live a better life. That's that's our goal with the Teletwins History Book is to offer that up as a resource for families who are looking for an alternative that can actually teach the truth. And I think kids, it sounds like a book kids would be excited to to learn from and to read as opposed to a lot of history is just you memorize generals and dates and you have tests and you have to remember the general that goes, you know, who was on right. this side and who was on that side, the battle and, and these locations, which the locations are fine and great. I mean, if you can get to those locations, that's even better. <laughs> you can actually learn and see those things, but it just was a lot yep. of facts just to memorize and then to regurgitate. But when you hear the whole story and the why behind, that's what sticks with kids. I, I completely agree with that. I hated history in school for the exact reason you just mentioned. So I wrote this book for me, for, for young Connor. I'm like, how, how would I, as a 10 year old or 13 year old or whatever, how would I have enjoyed history? And it's so crazy because the answer is so simple. It's storytelling. All humans love uh, captivating stories. Our brains, like if you get into the neuroscience behind it, our brains are literally wired for story. We're always desirous to kind of close the loop and figure out what happens next and what happened to that person. And, and so stories enthrall us, they engage us. Why do we teach kids with all these factoids and dry memories? Like, no, let's tell, I mean, history is a story. Let's just use storytelling. So that, that's our whole model. Every We have 11 chapters in the book and every chapter is, is a story about stories from history. And we, we just tell the story, we weave the ideas in, but it's all narrative based. It's all storytelling. And to me, as I reflect about young Connor, I think, man, I would have loved this kind of stuff. You know, uh, we've read similarly like, uh, Rush Revere with our kids when they were younger and some of these other history books that also use storytelling and like or Liberty Kids we used to watch with them, which is like that old PBS show about the, uh, you know, uh, that's how we have to do it. We've got to tell more stories and then it just comes alive for the kids. So that's that's what we've tried to do in our book. Funny you should mention Liberty Kids. That's my kids. <laughs> that was their history. And they, they would remember things. They were like, oh, well, this happened to Liberty Kids. That and Wild Kratz. Those were, you know, that was their science <laughs> curriculum right there. <laughs> so you might have kind of answered this a little bit, but homeschoolers often talk about instilling a love of learning. And I'm sure your history helps, your history book helps do that. How do you think parents can best do that? I know you mentioned stories. If, you know, maybe that's your answer or you have other answers as well. But how can parents really instill that love of learning? So for this, I would recommend another book I've written for parents. It's called Passion Driven Education, How to Use Your Child's Interests to Ignite a Lifelong Love of Learning. John Taylor Gatto actually wrote the foreword for that one. So this was prior to our, our Skip College book. So Passion Driven Education, uh, this was born out of my own experience. Uh, I hated school, not just history, as I mentioned earlier. I, I didn't love learning. I hated school and uh, homework and all the rest. And when I had free time, the last thing I was going to go do was read for leisure because I had just got done reading a bunch of crap and all the textbooks that they wanted me to memorize. So it wasn't until college that I discovered my own love of learning. And it took me a few years to figure out my life path, which is completely different than it was 
through school and college and all the rest. I, I was a web developer. I built websites for a living. I didn't like anything else other than computers. So I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll do this. But as I developed a love of learning, I discovered economics and American history and all these things that I became very passionate about and curious about. And I realized like, this is where my heart is. This is, this is what I want to impact. I want to make the world better, not just build random websites for people. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but I had to figure out, I had to get myself on a different path. I had to kind of pivot in my life. So for me, as I became a dad, I started reflecting on how can I make sure that my kids don't go through what I went through and have to suffer through all this schooling and memorization and everything. So obviously homeschool is a part of that, but I think I don't even like the term homeschooling uh, because it implies school in the home. You know, I, I like home education or, you know, child-led learning or learning through life or whatever. They don't all roll off the tongue as easy as homeschool, unfortunately. But uh, but the true vision of homeschool, I think, is not making our children adapt to someone else's curriculum and standards, instead adapting the world's massive amount of information and knowledge to our child. Because, for example, as a religious person, I think God has kind of pre-programmed my children with unique talents and a life path and purpose that I don't know what that is. I want to help my kids discover what it is. So it would be crazy if I programmed them with turning them into a mini me <laughs> to be like their dad, let alone what some curriculum committee or school board or someone else decided for them. So how do we get a lifelong love of learning? I think it's we have to speak to the child, to their individual interests. We have to allow them to go deep in those interests. We have to build a curriculum around like if your daughter loves horses, then make sure all the English writing assignments are about horses and read horse magazines and if you want to learn business, go talk to people who own a ranch and ask them how they, you know, manage their business. If you want to do art, right, make paper mache horses. Like, so the whole premise of the book is when you when you hook all of these subjects into whatever your child's interests are, as I've seen with my own kids and many other people across the country who have done this now, kids come alive because you're not making them learn the language of science or math or whatever. You're allowing them to speak in the language of Pokemon or Angry Birds or X-Men or whatever their their interest is, it's the language that they want to speak in. So when we speak their language, we're empowering them, we're honoring their individuality, we're supporting them in kind of their unique path, which is obviously going to deviate and change as they get older and change interests. But in my estimation, in my experience uh, as a dad, and then with my own negative experience as a kid, I think this is how we spark a love of learning. It's not making the kids adapt to something else. It's making everything else adapt to our kids to support them on their individual journeys, which to me is the true opportunity with homeschooling. I'm, I'm with you on that homeschool word. I only use it because everybody, <laughs> it's what everybody uses. Exactly. Everybody knows that I try to interchange and because it just has that school, that school feeling to it. But I completely agree with everything there. And even when we do homeschool our kids, home educate, whatever we're going to call it, no matter how many kids you have, it's going to, it, it's going to look different. It should look different, let's say, as opposed to every yeah. kid being the same. Yes, you're still going to teach them you know, math and reading and you want to get some basic things in, but it's going to look individual. And the second thing I would add is that homeschool moms are going to often feel trapped by the curriculum and we become a slave to the curriculum and we have to, you have to fill in all these worksheets and you have to do all this and you have to get through the whole curriculum or we didn't get the homeschool year. And 
Instead, the curriculum is there to serve us and can act as a guide when some of us feel lost as to how to do that on our on our own. I think it comes with confidence. And now that I'm I'm down to my youngest, I have one kiddo who's uh, ninth grade, and I'm completely like I'm making up his his chemistry here this year because I want to do it completely different. I don't want to follow a textbook, and he is really interested in it, and you know, just kind of take it that way. But um, I think that's really I think that's really encouraging. That's great. So. Yeah. So Connor, can you let us know where, where can the listeners follow, find you? Where, where should we send them to? Yeah. So I'm all over social media. Super easy to find me, Connor Boyack. Uh, you can go to TuttleTwins.com uh, to check out uh, the books. We have books for toddlers, for teenagers, for every age in between, curriculum, cartoon, and all kinds of fun stuff. So that is all at TuttleTwins.com. Okay, good. And the, and the the cartoon is fairly new. And I will put a plug that even teens can enjoy the the cartoon as well. <laughs> the so adults they, too. There's a yeah. lot of silly uh, adult humor in there for the parents. Okay, I haven't I haven't sat in yet, so I'll admit that. But I will next time. I'll sit in and listen and watch. You'll love it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Guys, how fun was that? Connor is really cool. He's just a super down to earth, nice guy and just an amazing mission. And you know what I appreciate the most is that he had this um, idea. He had this vision. He had, he saw some problems and he stepped in and is creating the solution to it. I love that. And I think that that's something I, I, I didn't get to bring up to him, but Connor, if you're listening, I so appreciate that. I appreciate when people see that there's a need for something and that they don't just ignore it, that they say, you know what? I feel that there's this need. I feel like there's this place I can step into and they go and they step into it and they do the thing. And he's doing really great things and had no idea. He had no idea what was all ahead. And he had no idea where his think tank would go, his, you know, his organization, and then where the Tuttle twins would go. And it's just a really cool story. And Connor is so full of tons of encouragement a lot of that, I don't want to say hard truth because it shouldn't be hard, but it's just, it's just straight truth. We'll say <laughs> some straight facts and straight information for you to encourage you as a homeschool mom. I'm going to drop in the show notes, all the links so you can get all the connections up with Connor, but I so appreciated having him on this podcast and I appreciate you listening. I would love to hear a bit about what your thoughts are on this episode. Go ahead and drop that in a review here on Apple iTunes or go pop over to the Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. And let me know over there what you thought about this episode. All right, friend, this was fun. I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are. All right, have a good day. And we'll see you right back here on the podcast in just a couple more days. If this podcast has encouraged you, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. I love to hear how this show has impacted you. So if you could hop over and do that, I'd be so grateful. While you're at it, take a screenshot of this episode and share it with your friends to encourage them. You can also find me over on Instagram at Little by Little Homeschool. Until next time, have a beautiful day, Mama.